Today, we are talking with Robert Scoble and Arena Cronin, CEO of Infinite Retina, which is their new venture. Robert is widely known as one of the most followed bloggers on the internet. His blog, Scobalizer, has been one of the most closely watched guides to new technologies and startups. He and Arena are now helping startups get ready for the 2020s when self-driving cars, AI, cryptocurrencies, digital assistance, and XR, which is augmented reality and virtual reality, will deeply change the world. Arena Cronin has great experience in spatial computing. Prior to Infinite Retina, Arena was CEO of Transformation Group, which advised decision makers on business strategies related to spatial computing, AR, VR, artificial intelligence, facial recognition, robotics, autonomous vehicles, and related disruptive technologies. Here's how they position Infinite Retina, their new venture. The spatial computing age is coming and businesses need to adapt. Infinite Retina is a full service agency that exists to help companies enter and succeed in spatial computing, from building a company vision to getting funded to developing an industry and customer strategy and more. I have known Robert Scoble for more than a decade and have seen him work up close. We went to Israel and the UK on trips I helped organize for a group called the Traveling Geeks, which included Robert, Craig Newmark, and other well-known Silicon Valley luminaries. Robert is totally dedicated to his craft, and those in the know respect his opinion in the global tech world. We will discuss how Robert and Arena view the new entrepreneurial opportunities and how Infinite Retina helps entrepreneurs with their spatial computing projects. Robert will also give his perspective on what it takes to be a great entrepreneur in application of leading edge technology, technology and what he has learned in almost 20 years of observing, scrutinizing, and calling out winning ideas and people who create the future. So let's begin. Hello, Robert and Arena. Hi. Hi. <laughs> great. Okay, let's just jump in. So, uh, Arena, can you please describe your vision for Infinite Retina and how the company plans to help entrepreneurs? Sure. Okay. So, I've been in the consulting space for spatial computing, which we're defining as encompassing the areas of AI, AR, and VR. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a sec for the last five years. Um, I noticed over the last two years, especially, that information is very sparse. Uh, with regard to what's happening in the industry. So people can't go and Google to find out what's going on. Uh, reporters aren't doing a great job. Companies are basically all private or mostly private, and they don't share information. So there's a lot of uh, gaps that are in the industry if you're trying to start a new company or your Fortune 500 company that needs to uh, start a division or do an app or an experience in spatial computing. So I was consulting uh, for a while on my own, and I realized I need to start a company that is like an agency that brings together all the different parts that are really relevant to the industry. So, for example, for the you're talking about entrepreneurs especially, uh, how to start a company in spatial computing, whether it's viable, uh, given the type of product they want to uh, to make, um, a business plan, uh, going forward to VCs and seeing if they can get funded, 
And that's all the kinds of stuff that I've done before. I've done strategy and finance and econ. And then we have people that are uh, PR and media specialists, people that are able to find talent, which is really hard to find, especially for AI and machine learning. Um, and we have people that are legal. We just had an advisor join from Perkins Coy. Uh, and we also have a cultural component to understand how companies should work together, people within those companies. And uh, those are the areas which we're basically focusing on. Um, so for the entrepreneur, for spatial computing, I think without us, it's, it's, it's going to be extremely difficult. And in fact, VCs themselves with their analysts will have pretty much a hard time entering the industry. That's a great explanation. Um, thank you, Arena. And um, Robert, if I could ask you, um, uh, Arena kind of touched on the scope of spatial computing. Yeah. But you've been looking at technology for a very long time. And how does this field compare to previous tech innovation waves? And if you would also define our, uh, AR and VR for people yeah. who don't know what that is. Well, this is the fourth paradigm of the personal computing age, right? When we got our Apple II in 1977, uh, we, we, we were able to compute by using text, right? We, right. In fact, I had to write programs because my first Apple II that my dad bought uh, didn't really come with much software. And that that opened up an economic window to bring us spreadsheets like VisitCalc and a whole bunch of new things. And then uh, the Macintosh kicked off the second generation, the second paradigm, which made it easier to use because now you could drag and drop an icon around the screen. You could get WYSIWYG. You could do desktop publishing. And that brought us Adobe and a whole bunch of new things. And then the smartphone came along and really came into its own with the iPhone. And that brought us how many hundreds of companies, you know, from Uber to Airbnb and on and on. And this new wave, that's just just really kicking off. I mean, we've seen precursors with the VR space for for a few years now, but with Oculus Quest coming this this summer, it's really going to open up an, a new space. and And it's a space of computing that you move around, and that is far more personal than any uh, of the paradigms before. And it'll bring billions of new people into computing that might not even be able to read. I've, I've seen a four-year-old girl come over my house, put on a VR headset, and, and be able to move files from a file cabinet to a file cabinet uh, in a game called Job Simulator uh, without any in, in, introduction to the technology, without any manual, without any uh, even asking any adult how to do it, right? And I think back to the Apple II world, you know, learning to move a file from a folder to another folder took me hours of, of reading manuals and, th and thinking through the commands and learning the commands to do that. And here a, a four-year-old girl does it just intuitively. So this computing space of moving around the, the computer, and by the way, I, I think I, I'm more broad in my definition than probably a lot of people are in the industry. When, when you have people or robots, and robots can be physical robots or virtual robots. We're, we're starting to talk about a new thing called virtual beings in this space. Yeah. Yeah. And we're starting to see examples like Magic Leap has this mica that can walk around with you, uh, be sitting in a chair next to you, 
and having a conversation with you, right? And handing you virtual things. Um, and this is quite mind-blowing. So what's really going on, if you, if you look at the technologies that are underneath uh, what's going on here, is we're getting new monitors on our eyes. And right now the state of the art is a, a 1K monitor on each eye. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to see prototypes of 4K monitors coming sometime in the next 18 months. And if you look at 24 to 36 months, I think we're gonna see 8K monitors on our eyes. And when you get monitors on your eyes like that, you get virtualized monitors to start with. So people in the industry start, are talking about a day when, when we don't need to use a smartphone screen or look at a monitor, like I'm looking at you on a 24-inch a Apple monitor, right? Or looking right. at my watch, right? All of those screens, or even a TV that's a 65-inch to 100-inch TV, those TVs, uh, when you're wearing a 4K monitor on each eye, you get a better monitor than that. <laughs> on your face all the time, right? So you can think about having a, a 100 or 200-inch monitor right in front of you, and you get as many as you want. That's why we sort of named our company Infinite Retina, right. because if your phone has a retina screen, well, when you're wearing these glasses, you're going to have infinite retina screens, right? As many retina screens around you as you want. And on and on, then you start thinking about the other technologies. There's going to be array microphones on these devices to hear your voice and, and be able to have you talk to an AI. Uh, you know, we, we know them as Siri or Alexa or Google Home, Google Assistant. And today they're uh, skittish in understanding us, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but there's new ones coming over the next few years that are going to be much more conversational. Google Assistant gives you a taste of where we're going with this, where we can have conversations with our, with the computing in the sky, the cloud computing that's running these things. Um, and then you're also seeing uh, a lot of R&D in eye sensors to understand where you're looking at things. And you're seeing a lot of R&D in 3D sensors to understand the world. And, and understanding the real world is real important because you need to know where you are in that world. But then you're going to overlay uh, a whole bunch of new things on top of that real world. Uh, we call that in the industry the AR cloud. So you asked me to define VR and AR. And, it, you know, Irene and I have talked a lot about this. And we think that, it, you know, in five or so years, it's not going to matter. You're going to go from VR to AR to back and forth depending on the context of the situation, right? Um, but VR today is you're in a black box and you're only seeing virtual pixels. AR, you're seeing the real world at some level, either through, through a video camera that's passing through the real world or like in the Magic Leap or Microsoft HoloLens, you're actually seeing the real world and then it's overlaying a virtual uh, uh, item or a virtual uh, set of items on top of the real world. And so um, it, today it's sort of easy to, to define the difference between VR and AR. But tomorrow we're going to get glasses. In Israel, there's a, a startup that I've been talking to that's a stealth mode startup that the optic actually grabs the photons coming toward your eyes. So it's watching the world. It decides whether to pass that photon to your eye or not. And it has a little tiny, tiny, micro, basically a mirror that can either 
throw that photon away or let it pass to your eye. And then it can decide whether to mix uh, or just show you a virtual uh, uh, element. Uh, so you can start thinking about a world where you look at the, the sky and the sky is darker or the sky is replaced, right? Uh, with, with maybe the data from the Hubble telescope, right? It's um, quite amazing where we're about to go. Well, Robert, this is a phenomenal, phenomenal um, world that you're talking about. And of course, because we're talking about entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs look at opportunities and it yeah. seems like opportunities are going to exponentially increase Absolutely. with this yeah. world. Now, you've been a keen supporter in helping entrepreneurs succeed for the last 20 years. Yeah. Those of us that have followed you know that you can, you call out winners, etc. Let's drill down into one aspect of your experience. Can you identify the characteristics of the best entrepreneurs? What <laughs> specifically do they have for the right stuff? One in terms of what was and what will be. And yeah. maybe there is no difference or maybe there is based on what I, you're talking about. I don't know. You know, I was literally right in front of the two guys who started Uber. And, you know, there I got to see the company from its formative stages. And we were stuck in a snowstorm in Paris and not able to get a ride. And Garrett and Travis we're talking to us and go, why can't we look at our mobile phone and see where the, where the, where the taxis are, where the buses are, where the subways are. And that led to the formation of Uber, right? So that, that's sort of, to me, that's the entrepreneurial mindset. You, you look at the world differently than other people. I mean, I, I didn't look at the world and think, man, I should have an app on my mobile phone where I can see the rides. Right. 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 And, and we're seeing a whole bunch of that kind of uh, uh, approach to the world. But in this new world, it goes way beyond just looking for problems in the world to solve with technology. Uh, Irina and I just visited uh, USC's uh, cinematic film school, and they have lab after lab of uh, uh, groups working on 5G technologies and AI and AR and VR, you know, uh, spatial computing technologies. And those kids are dreaming about a world that doesn't even exist, right? They're dreaming about new kinds of games, new kinds of movies, new kinds of uh, music, new, new kinds of uh, uh, education technology and new kinds of tools, Right. And so if you if you get access to one of those labs, you start to meet people who are really looking at the world very differently than e even the entrepreneurs that we've seen before. And that that's what's exciting. I mean, the market window that is about to open up is going to see Irina and I are going around the industry and meeting with Facebook and Magic Leap and Microsoft and Apple and, and those kinds of companies. And we're seeing about $50 billion of investment that's going to unleash on the market in the next few years, uh, some of which is already unleashed, but most of which is still yet to be released. And that's quite exciting, and it opens up new kinds of uh, opportunities for entrepreneurs. Can I just jump in for a sec about the entrepreneurial yeah. mindset? Sure, please. So um, basically what I'm seeing that's uh, different, if you want to qualify it, than uh, other types of uh, entrepreneurial efforts and mindset 
is that you really have to have even more of a technical uh, kind of understanding of how to connect things digitally. So it's not only trying to find an area where there's a gap uh, for uh, people's needs, but how do you take the existing technology and then really cutting edge technology and apply it in a way that most people do not see. And it could be even like three, sometimes five years out. Um, This spatial computing, I think is even more radical than a lot of other different types of of tech. Um, So that's the major difference that I see. And besides that, you need to really have a lot of trust in your insight. Yeah, and a, a good example of that is is the technology that's coming out of autonomous cars. You know, think about how how those people, how the data scientists and how the designers of, of these technologies are looking at the world, uh, looking at building what I call an exponential learning system. Um, right. And you, you start thinking about, for instance, Tesla has, what, 500,000 cars on the road right now, most of which have an NVIDIA card in the car and eight cameras that are uh, around the car plus radars and, and uh, ultrasonic sensors that are being fused. So right there, you, you need to know sensor fusion technology. Well, not, we're not talk, talking about anything that's existing existed in paradigms before. Right, we've never had software engineers on the Apple II fusing streams of data coming off of sensors and mixing them together, and, and then building the the AI learning, the machine learning, to understand you know what's the difference between a stop sign and a stoplight, right? Uh, so now you have to have a data scientist on your team, and then you need to understand how humans actually how their brains work, because really where we're heading is we're going to start computing over the next 15 years by thinking, right? And these devices are gonna read your mind at some point and, and be inter- integrated with your mind. And that's quite exciting. I mean, I, I was talking to the head of innovation at Pfizer, a big drug, drug company, right? And they're looking at AI, AR technology and AI as a drug, right? And so putting light in your eyes can uh, be better at solving pain than morphine can. That, that was research that came out of the University of Washington. You can go to vrpain.com to read that. But they did research with burn victims and found that uh, putting somebody in a virtual snow field, playing a, snow, a snowball game, gets you out of your pain, your physical burn pain, better than morphine does, right? And that is so amazing. It's, it, it's, we could go for two hours just yeah. scratching through some of the science that's going on. You know, Irena uh, and Robert, the um, Stephen Johnson wrote a book, Where Ideas Come From, and he talked yeah. about the idea of adjacent possibilities. That, And I think that gets to what you're talking about. It's not enough to, to see the gap or see the pain point. If you understand the adjacent possibilities of technology, you then can apply solutions that were inconceivable without knowing what those adjacent possibilities are or the ability to scale it or the ability to work with others. And it seems like this is what is happening with this field. It's opened up a whole new area. Yep. 
that's great. Well, you know, we we're, we're talking about the creation of companies and the and the entrepreneur, but um, let's move to how spatial computing can change our work experience. Yeah. And particularly, I'm talking about the average worker or the or the person who works in a university or works in a nonprofit well, I mean, or works at a corporation. And the average worker is about to really change. Well, let's hear what you think. Um, I mean. I- we're going to let, let's start with the dismal part of it. We're going to lay a lot of people off in the next few, few years, next 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, truck drivers. Let's just start with the top. They're the most, it's the biggest job in America. 1.3 million truck drivers, right? Their jobs are gone in 10, 15 years, uh, you know, or radically changed. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, teachers, right? You start thinking about education in augmented reality. Well, uh, Caterpillar is using augmented reality glasses to teach people how to fix a million-dollar tractor without a classroom, without a book, without videos. It shows you right on top of the tractor how to, how to take out an oil pump and fix the tractor. So if you can do that with this technology, you can teach anything in this technology, right? And we're starting to see companies form. Striver is a good example of this. They sold 17,000 headsets to Walmart to teach people how to work a retail store, right? Yeah. So the average job is about to radically change. And we haven't even started talking about it, how we're going to collaborate together, how our factories are changing because of this technology, right? Volkswagen uh, has virtualized their entire factory floor already. And so you don't get trained on the factory floor anymore. You you get trained in VR before you get to your workstation to, to, you know, uh, put a new dashboard in a Volkswagen or something like that. And, and they teach you how to work with the robots that are on the factory floor. I mean, I just toured the Tesla factory. They have 1,200 robots there right, uh, building the cars. So you have to understand where to stand, how to work with the robots, and, and how to feed them, and how, and how to take things from them, right, and work alongside them without getting uh, crushed by some of these big industrial robots, right? And so all of that work, that you do that in VR first before you even get put on the factory floor because they can't slow down the factory floor to teach you. Yeah. Uh, at Ford, they're making a new F-150 truck every single minute, right? Uh, it's amazing to watch that uh, machine build things, right? But they can't slow that down. That's $50,000 a minute uh, if they wanted to slow down the line. So they have to teach you in VR before you even get on there. And then you're going to be working it on the factory floor Maybe virtually. Uh, I just visited a company called Bad VR in LA, where they've uh, built a system to to allow you to see all of the data coming off of all the machines on the factory floor virtually, right? And um, and I mean, I just on and on. Irina and I can talk for hours just about work and how that's about to change. Well, obviously, you know, it sounds like it's just in time training and just in time skill building. Uh, that in addition to the fact that the capabilities just are uh, augmented, it's very, very exciting. Um, yeah. So let me, we're, I know we, we're working we, on a book too the, about this. You know, so oh, please let year. me, let me see it so I can write a good review of it. <laughs> well, Absolutely. we got to finish writing it first. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, it won't be the, it won't be virtual. It'll be real. So I'll, yes. I'll take a look yeah. at it. Uh, how can individuals who are not startup founders think about career opportunities with a different understanding of the work experience? You know, I'm I'm into career navigation. I'm a career coach. 
uh, we want people to have work that is fulfilling, that it matters to them. Yep. And um, so how can everyone benefit from these innovations in spatial? Irina, you want to take a stab on that? So you're talking outside of enterprise, outside of work? No, it could be in work that you're, and it can be out of work because work and life are going to integrate. Um, you know, even the commute to work uh, would change with uh, what you're talking about. But when we're looking at career opportunities, it's how do yeah. you do a career plan for yourself that you are going to be autonomous, you're going to master something, you're going to be able to do work that matters to you, all the things that fulfill you and engage you rather than just how you make money. Oh, wow, that's a huge question. So obviously, uh, people uh, very, very shortly need to become more technically adept. And of course, there's going to be a number of people that are not going to be able to do that. So that's, that's pretty bad. Um, but sometime within the next 10 years or so, uh, hopefully, most people will understand and have gotten training to uh, be more technically adept and be able to handle jobs that require a more understanding of data um, that are more virtual. So you don't have to go to an office. You can work with a team um, virtually and in other ways. So the kind of job that you're going to have is going to drastically change. Um, I mean, the, the whole understanding is that you're moving from a, a basically a 2D world into a 3D world that you could take advantage of. So uh, in any kind of aspect, both in work and outside of work, where you can enjoy three-dimensionality to understand information better and navigate through that information and learn faster, uh, it's just an incredible opportunity uh, to do that uh, using spatial computing. That's yeah, great. Thank I you, Lorena. That's a I great answer. Yeah, I and I just add, want to add one more ahead. thing. So um, BMW has come out with a, a, a new uh, slogan that says, don't be driven by technology, drive it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a really great tagline. Uh, except that one of my, my friends, Jeremiah Oyang, very apt, aptly said, um, that's probably not going to be good for too long because of autonomous cars. <laughs> yeah, right. But outside of cars, I think that, that that's a pretty good way of looking at things. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of careers, if I, if I was, you know, 18 to 22 right now and thinking about where I would want to focus – I would certainly not look at any job or any skill that is a pattern. If I, mm -hmm. if you can define your work as a pattern, your, your work is going to go away and be aut automated pretty quickly. You know, yeah. the, the truck driver is a great example of that. Right? You might not think of truck driving as a pattern, but it, it is, uh, you can define it as a series of thousands sure. of steps. Right. And, uh, and AI is going to learn to do that and do it better than you are um, and for far le less cost, right? Um, and so we know that that job's going away. You know, I, I've, I've been seeing a therapist lately and he's like, oh, my job probably won't go away for a long time. And that's true because uh, a therapist it doesn't have a pattern, uh, you know, that's easily yes. recognizable. Um, 
there is a pattern there and maybe his job will go away as well, you know, in 20 or 30 years. But, and, and even his job though is going to radically change. Why do I need to drive to his office to have a meeting with him when we can play basketball? You know, in VR, we can play basketball with each other already. Yes. Right? Yeah. So why do I need to go to his office to have a meeting? We could have one in, in AR, VR, uh, and it's going to be just the same as sitting in his office and talking with him directly. And now all of a sudden the costs of seeing him have gone down because I don't have to take the 20 minutes to drive to his office and sure. drive back, right? Um, and he can even see more clients uh, back to back to back than, than he can see today. And have well, a bigger well, field of, of customers to choose from. Well, one right? thing I would posit to the two of you, and we can close on this because I, I know we're running out of time, yep. is that the engineering skills or the ability to solve a problem with a unique uh, algorithm that's developed may be replaced as well as the patterns. Yep. But the human empathy and collaboration skills may become enhanced and people... Yes. This is one of the theories is if you're a good collaborator and you're a good team builder and you know how to work with people in addition to working with the technology as part of your team, that your value increases because yes. the human dynamic uh, is going to and the psychology and the group communication skills and being a good communicator with human beings will not be replaced, but will be augmented. And therefore, uh, those skill sets uh, people can be focused upon. Yeah, before Irina has to leave, I, Irina and I are working with a company that's doing virtual surgery uh, with uh, Microsoft HoloLens. And the HoloLens is overlaying the MRI scans and the ultrasound scans right on the patient. And so the, the doctor has to learn to work with new uh, technology there. But he still needs to do the surgery. And the, the technology can assist him in doing the surgery and can show him what to do but he still needs to do the surgery right now. You know, in some cases that's already being changed to robots as well, but uh, in this case, uh, uh, cancer uh, surgery, uh, these team, teams are still uh, better at using their hands and using their brains to uh, deal with a, a, a very different patient every time. But even there, you're seeing technology uh, show up and being used. Yeah, I wanted to talk to your question about emotional IQ. So um, that that's it's so ironic that um, the more we get into uh, using technology, everything being digitized and now becoming spatial and three D, the more I think we we need to um, enlarge our understanding of of emotional IQ and work better together because work is going to become even more virtual than ever before. And if every, anything can ever get done, uh, that emotional IQ is the only thing that can really bridge and bring more power to a team than anything else. So, yeah, that's the irony. That's a beautiful way to end. Thank you so much for that um, beautiful close, Arena, And thank you, Robert. Good luck on your venture, and please, anybody who is listening or any entrepreneur or anybody who wants to learn more, please check out Infinite Retina, and uh, thank you so much for your perspective and time. Best wishes. Thanks. Thank you.